0: Welcome. You're listening to the Breadcrumb Trails podcast. I'm Gina. I'm Carol. And I'm Danny. And today we are discussing Jesse Boyley's group versus solo travel episode the things that we've learned, the things that we hadn't maybe considered, you know, the tips, tricks, advice, and all of his fun stories that he had to talk to us about. Yeah.
1: Oh, God,
0: absolutely. I know the one thing that stuck out with Jesse Boyley's interview for me was his story about the RPG and the cows.
2: Yeah, the Cambodian. Yeah. Bit.
0: And, and, oh, and the grenades.
2: That was,
1: that was a totally different culture that I wasn't expecting out of Cambodia, especially since it was so close to Vietnam. Right?
2: My mind is blown.
0: Yeah. I think that... Mm-hmm. Mine is beyond blown. I think that Jesse has some really interesting stories in that episode. I think there's a lot of stuff to consider and things that people might not necessarily consider as things they can do when they travel and visit other countries. I also found the I don't know about you guys, but I also found the other thing for me was the fact that movie theaters have to. Uh, had to have the no, what was it? The no guns signs or the no shooting no signs. The no
1: grenades.
0: Yeah, the no grenades or no guns uh, signs out, uh, posted posted in them. That absolutely blows my mind because over here in Canada, we wouldn't even mm-hmm. think twice about that for the most part.
1: Yeah, but at the same time, we also have to think about, they have security screenings
2: at schools in USA. Oh yeah, you have to basically go through airport security to get into schools.
0: Yeah, but that's also the United States, and Canada is a bit of a different culture than the United States, despite the fact that we're pretty much located on the same continent. Anyways, we're getting a little bit off track. We're here to talk about group versus solo travel, and I guess one of the things I want to ask is, what did you guys learn from the episode? Was there anything that you picked up? Things that you might not have considered, or things that kind of stuck out at you from talking with Jesse?
2: When we talk about safety, it usually comes up the conversation about like scams and stuff and how to like protect yourself about like against scams. Mm -hmm. And it's never really like, I guess, the answer I'm looking for. Because when I'm, when I think about like, how do I keep myself safe when I'm traveling? It's not about how do I protect myself against scams? It's how do I protect myself? Like my physical person. Okay. And (laughs) I'm getting the impression because... The people we've talked to have been like about this have been generally men and they immediately their reaction is scams and i'm like as a female traveler my my i'm not worried about scams i'm worried about myself
0: okay just to kind of expand on that idea a bit then maybe it would be an idea for us to bring in a woman and talk about their experiences on group versus solo travel at some point later on down the line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That could be. Yeah, a... like
1: for me, I've personally done both solo and group travel. And, you know, I've. Jesse is one of my better friends. And so we have talked about all of this before. And I do take scams into great consideration as getting scammed, it really puts a damper on your trip. And he also taught me that the world is more likely to help you than it is to try to harm you. It takes a lot more effort for them to try to kill you, for them to try to harm you. It's a lot more trouble to do that than it is to to help you out or just totally ignore you, which is what most places tend to do.
0: So I know you said you're... You do take scams into consideration, but when it comes down Mm -hmm. to your own physical safety when you're traveling in foreign countries, like, where does that come Mm -hmm. in for you then, Carol? Uh, for, For me, hold on.
1: Yeah. There we go. For me, it comes into consideration, let's see, physical safety is very important, but I feel like it's so imbued into me, like it's so natural that I don't really think about it so much. Like, it's so instinctual, that's what it is. It's mostly common sense. It's like, don't go down any suspicious dark alleys, trust your instincts, Mm -hmm. walk with an air of confidence, be aware of your surroundings, stuff like that. And that I kind of find is usually generally enough. Like, I think... Even though people hesitate to mug a gentleman, for example, I think it still does happen to them more than we might think.
0: You have anything to add to that, Danny?
2: I mean, we were just talking about how, like, the U.S. scares us, like, because as Canadians, we don't, like, we don't have open carry policies. So, like, you get into an argument with someone in the States where it's open carry and they can pull a gun on you. And maybe they won't shoot you, but, like, that's still a terrifying experience to go through.
0: Absolutely. So you go
2: traveling to a country where they open carry or they don't have gun laws like that are as strict as ours, it's still like a terrifying experience to go through.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I can tell you right now, I don't actually know what my reaction would be for something like that, you know, to have a gun pulled on me because I've never been in a situation like that. I am extremely lucky when it comes to that. I don't know what it's like to have a gun in my face or to the back of my head or anything like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, neither do I.
2: Because, I mean, I know, because, like, I've taken self-defense, and a lot of times when someone is, like, pulling a weapon on you, they're doing it to scare you so you give them the stuff they want, which you should do. Um, like, it's much safer for you to give it, like, to give a mugger your purse than it is to fight them.
0: Well, what is it we said during, I think it was... The discussion on Sheena Rossiter's episode, uh, I think it was episode three, the discussion portion of that topic was that things are a lot easier to replace than a person is. I can't remember if that was the actual interview with her or if it was the discussion portion, but it was one of those two. If you haven't listened to those episodes yet, you should go back and take a listen. There's some really good topics that we've broached over the last little while, at least the last, what, 14 episodes at this point almost? Yeah, group
2: versus solo travel. So my big trip to Rome was a group trip. Like, I went with a class. Mm -hmm. So we mostly went everywhere together as a group.
0: Yep. Mm -hmm.
2: Um, And I'm trying to think, like, the first little bit for me anyway was fine, Um, but I'm extremely introverted. So as, like, the kind of weeks went on, I was getting more and more exhaustive just the people I was traveling with. Okay. I think that, like, either for me personally, either a smaller group would have been better or people I was more comfortable with because this was a group of people that, like, I kind of knew. Like, they were people in my program that I had the occasional conversation with, but they weren't, like, my friends, right? So...
0: And just getting back to the topic of safety then, how did that affect your sense of safety while you were traveling in Rome?
2: Um, I never was really worried about myself. Um, As a, being in the group, I was worried about the people that were not as intimidating as me. So there was one girl in the group who, like I take on like a mothering role when I'm in a group of people. Yep. Like, I make sure everyone's taken care of. I make sure everyone's okay. You're the mom friend. People, I'm the mom friend. Yeah. And she was very... I want to say soft to describe her, but, like, very... Um, passive right. and meek and shy. So when people came up to her and were, like, like trying to harass her or get her to buy things or, like, fall into scams, I could be that person to be like, okay, you need to fuck off now. Like, I can... I can do that for other people. I have a harder time doing it for myself. That's
0: fair.
1: Yeah, so I'll talk on my end with the safety in numbers versus, I think most of it, a good chunk of it does depend on the destination you are going to. Yeah. Um, I traveled solo within Canada uh, to semi-solo in South Africa. And also solo in Amsterdam Amsterdam pretty much being what Canada desires itself to be it was pretty safe I felt I had no problems in Amsterdam I never once in Amsterdam did I feel unsafe in South Africa uh, the the hour that I was away from uh, my bush group I I was definitely a little bit more cautious It probably doesn't help that I was also crossing a road but in that case you know as long as I stayed aware I still I didn't feel like I was gonna be shanked or anything
2: I definitely think the location is really important because there's like there wasn't a whole lot of areas in Rome that I was like uncomfortable being by myself but when I did go out, like, for the day by myself. I went to places I knew how to get to, and I knew how to get back from. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that falls into the doing the research before you go, so that you're not just, you know, wandering around by yourself. Um, mm, but
1: there's, yeah. Oh, yeah, I go for it. We're
2: just talking about how, like, the location, or, like, where you're traveling to is a big factor, and, like... At least in my mind, if you would travel there by yourself or with friends, right?
0: Yeah. Or
2: with a group. Because, like, I have no problem, like, traveling across Canada on my road trip by myself. But I also have friends halfway, like, at the halfway point that I can, like, meet up with. I can always be in contact with my family or with someone, right? Yeah. Because I'm still within my own country.
0: Yeah.
2: I know there's, like, kidnappings and sex trafficking in Canada. Like, that's not a secret. But I'm much more comfortable with the idea of it in my own country than I would be if I was traveling
0: even to the U.S. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that your own country, you see your own country a little differently than you see countries that you don't actually live in. You're comfortable in your own country. You know what to expect. For the most part, you know, you know, the general customs, the general ways of life that people live. It might take a bit of adapting region to region and you know area specific area to specific area like here in here in Alberta things are day-to-day life is a hell of a lot different than it would be in Nova Scotia just because of regional dialect whether language or action or the way people were brought up but for the most part Canada itself like the generalized culture itself you know what to expect if you're traveling across Canada, whereas if you were to go to the States, that's foreign territory, despite the fact that it's literally a hop, skip and a jump across the border, or say to England, uh, sorry, to London. That's a completely foreign culture, and you don't know what to expect there. You are in foreign territory. You are in brand new water. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. So, which, as I I told Carol, like, traveling to those places... Like, it is important to research and be like, okay, what is, where are the places I can and can't go? Like, what should I look for? What Where should I be?
0: Well, research is something, research, the place that you're going is something that we've brought up time and time again, and we will continue to bring it up, and we do continue to bring it up. But even without being prompted, our, the people that we interview, our guests, also bring Mm -hmm. that up as Mm -hmm. kind of a, as a repeat. A phrase or a repeat word. Do your fucking research. Mm-hmm. I think that's, uh, I think that's going to become a mantra here pretty soon if we keep repeating that. But like I said, <laughs> e- even our guests, without being prompted, bring that up.
1: That they do, and you know, research is huge, especially in travel. Like it's not just researching your destination; it's also researching yourself, and in the case that you do want to travel with someone it's researching who you want to travel with
0: yeah make sure you have a good make sure you have a good travel buddy if you're or make sure you have a good travel group if you are traveling in a group make sure you know at least a little bit about the people that you're going with it may not be the best thing but it'll also help with that i guess sense of safety
1: yeah it also helps keep your sanity with you know with your group I travel with my parents regularly enough and I think I've gotten to the point where I only tolerate traveling with them to the point it's bordering on not tolerating them to tolerating them. I know I have gotten very annoyed with traveling with my parents numerous times. They are not my first choice to travel with. So definitely look into that before you, before you kind of travel with your with somebody that you're not exactly in the best relationship with or something.
0: Are there any other points that Jesse talked about in his episode that you guys want to touch on or that you want to bring up or that kind of stuck out for you? It's been two and a half weeks. I totally forgot most of (laughs)
1: what he
2: said. I mean, (laughs) his, his experience is like, Like, hashtag goals. (laughs) Right? Like, travel around, take pictures, write for a living. Like, please sign me up. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah, one of his best friends that he traveled with for the better part of that year, during their travel trip, um, they went to Taiwan. Uh, His friend's name is Matt, by the way. Uh, They traveled to Taiwan, and Matt decided to remain in Taiwan, and that is where he is to this day, teaching.
0: That's actually life goals for me. I know that you guys know part of the reason I went back to school to pursue my bachelor's degree was so I could go teach English in Japan. And if everything works out as it should, I'm going to be just under the cutoff age by probably a couple of years when I graduate. And I desperately want to go to Japan and teach English. Like I'm putting everything into applying to the JET program as soon as I can. I want to experience that culture. I want to go live in that culture. You guys know I'm I'm obsessed with the culture. And by this point, our listeners should too. Like I am anything and everything Japanese related, I'm all over. But I want to go, say, live in a rural area. And I want to experience that for at least a couple of years. And I want to start doing more content, I guess, with that. But at the same time... That's also going to require a lot of traveling and I'm going to have to figure out exactly how I want to do that in relation to, I guess, group versus solo travel. Because group versus solo travel doesn't just denote you going to a foreign country with a group of people. It could be, say, you being in the country that you live in and traveling around that country with, by well, with others or by yourself.
2: Mm-hmm. So there's
0: also the domestic aspect of that as well.
2: I think when we, we talk about traveling, like there's this idea that it's always international. Mm-hmm. But like I mean Canada's the second largest country country in the world. Our east coast and our west coast are significantly different from each other. Yes. And then everything in between is just like we have literally everything. Like mountains, plains, valleys, forests. Like we have everything
0: The other thing like
2: you have to go see
0: it the other thing that people may not realize about canada is one of the things people not, might not realize about canada is that canada is big enough and it's diverse enough not just population wise but but landscape wise that we have literally every type of environment that rests on this planet we have in canada in some form bc is a rainforest essentially we have the plain, pro- the Prairie provinces, or the plains. We have the oceans, which are BC, and we have Nova Scotia and Prince Edward Island and Newfoundland. Like mm-hmm. we have the Arctic tundra, which is essentially almost like a desert in its own respect. We have almost there's every climate on this BC planet. Too. Pardon?
2: We there is deserts in the middle of BC, like I Kelowna do- and Vernon, and along the Okanagan. There's like desert Mm -hmm. there's cactus and rattlesnakes and tumbleweeds
0: oh hell i didn't know that oh yeah There's
2: um on the highway between vernon and Kelowna is a ridge called predator ridge and it's just full of rattlesnakes
1: Hmm. holy shit balls
2: yeah they actually have to have signs everywhere being like this is what a rattlesnake looks like and this is what a bull snake looks like bull snake or gopher snake they look very similar, but they just have some distinct, different features. We used to camp there all the time.
0: I do need to ask, just on a slight tangent here, I do need to ask if... Can I bring one home for a pet? No. Oh. It
2: is considered a provincial park in BC, and oh. you're not allowed to take anything out.
0: Damn it. <laughs> I want a snake for a pet. But, but yeah, um, back to... They're
1: a... actually really interesting creatures.
0: What else do we need to talk about in this episode for the whole group versus solo travel thing? Uh,
1: I... Combating loneliness if you're, um, if you're going solo, that feeling of freedom, finding the right people to travel with, and motivation to do stuff if you're alone slash with other
0: people. Well, That's don't... my list. Why don't we touch on mm-hmm. a few of those?
2: Traveling in a group and traveling a s- solo depends on... Where you're going, how long you're going to be gone, your type of personality and the personality of the people you want to go with. Mm -hmm. Like, I think you you need to, it's not just like, I'm going to go do this. Like, you actually have to, you have to consider yourself and do, like, because, like, if I sit down and think about, like, all the people I know, all of my friends, all of my family, and I have to pick one of them to go travel, like, to take on me on my two-week road trip. Yeah. And I'm seriously, like, I'm sitting here going no i'm gonna get tired of you after three days no i'm gonna get tired after you like after like two days no i can't spend like i can't be in the car with you for that
0: long i'm
2: literally like nope nope, (laughs) no which is part of the reason i'm doing this by myself
0: (laughs) i know when i go when i go on a road trip um i am like so i've driven from edmonton to winnipeg and i've also and back and i've also driven from edmonton to vancouver and back and those are not short trips i think they're with rest breaks they're minimum somewhere between 15 and 21 hours give or take depending on how long you rest for and whether or not you keep it all in the same day or split it up into two days and i've proven to myself that i can do both of those trips at least one way in a single day but when i go on road trips I, uh, I i tend to be fairly picky who i take along with me because i'm stuck in a car with them for hours on end and i'm usually the one driving. So driving itself for long distance takes a lot out of you. It takes even more out of you when you have somebody in that car that you don't get along with. Yep. Oh, and then, like, God.
2: You have to plan, like, what you're going to do and, like, where you want to go and what you want to see. And if those, like, the person you're traveling with doesn't want to see those things, like, I guess you could go to a town, like, like, if you're on a road trip, you could go to a town and be like, okay, I'm going to go to the museum and you're going to go to the zoo or to something, right? Yeah. And you can do your own thing for the day and then come back and then go to your next town. But like, (sighs) I mean, traveling does take a lot of energy and effort, but like that seems like a lot of added effort that I don't want to do.
0: Yeah. I I know when I'm, when I'm driving. So the reason that I do road trips is, or at least when I had the car, when I had uh, the ability to use the car is, For me, it was a form of being able to relax. It was a way of me being able to blow off some steam and get away from where, get away from my normal day to day stuff. We'd like to apologize. Uh, We had some internet issues and it took a fair bit of time for us to get back to do the recording with all three of us here. So we can't actually remember where we were in the discussion and we apologize if we've left that topic kind of high and dry but for what you guys hear versus where we are in our discussion here for the recording has been it, it's gonna be quite a different uh, amount of time. So once again mm-hmm. we apologize and we're just gonna continue on for the rest of this episode provided no other issues happen. So mm-hmm. Carol, back to your list. Yeah all
1: right so safety and numbers question mark combat and loneliness. That feeling of freedom you get when traveling, uh, finding the right people to travel with, and that motivation if you're traveling alone.
0: I guess let's go with combating loneliness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what kind of comment do you guys want to? What kind of comments do you guys want to make on that?
2: Well, I can tell you kind of what what I've planned to do on my road trip mm-hmm. to combat loneliness. So, like, um, and it also ties into safety. So. I'm going to contact, like, my family and let let them know how things are going. And I'm also going to be recording my trip. Um, My car also comes with OnStar. Mm -hmm. So, and you buy, like, minutes for that. So I'm going to buy my minutes for that. And then um, if I get into an accident or something and I need to contact someone, I can use the OnStar in my car.
0: Yeah. I know for me, uh, so when I did my... When I did my trip from, because I had people in the car with me from Edmonton to Vancouver. When I went from Edmonton to Winnipeg, uh, it was just me in the car and a literal like bag of snack foods. I'd stop every couple of hours. But one of the things that I did was I actually loaded myself up with about two weeks worth of podcast episodes. And at that point, I was listening to audiobook podcasts. And I'd listen to those, you know, one after the other to help combat that loneliness. It was almost like there was somebody else in the car with me. But one of the things I also did for safety was despite the fact that I was paying for minutes and data because I was outside of my service area. At that time, I was using Freedom Mobile, which is a thing here. Mm -hmm. I was outside my service area and I was paying for that was I would upload photos, I would upload Uh, social media status messages and I would actually call certain people and keep in touch with them for the entire way. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And let them know that I was doing fine. That way, if I lost contact for a certain amount of time, they would know that something was up and hopefully they would be able to get the cops to trace the GPS on my phone.
1: Yeah, like for me, it's not that much. It is a good option, yes, but um the main thing is i don't i don't like it when you you hide behind your phone i know hiding isn't quite the right term but when you hide behind your phone so much uh when i was staying in a hostel in amsterdam i know it's one of those great hostels where you get your own little little pod or your own little room but I would sit in the common area, and I kind of noticed that everybody was in their own little corners, glued to their laptops, to their phones, yep. and nobody was really talking to each other. And I was like, dude, what the heck? This isn't what I envisioned. And after a while, after like a couple of days, I was like, you know, it." just sitting here isn't going to make anything happen. So that day at breakfast, I just sat, ate my apple. Somebody walked by and um, and my chair was about the only open one. And this gentleman asked, hey, can I sit here? And I'm like, or he's like, are you using this chair? I'm like, no, I'm not. But if you want to sit here, by all means, I'm always up for a conversation. I don't bite yeah he grabbed his girlfriend and we sat and we actually talked and that's how I found out the unfortunate thing that you have to book ahead of time for the Anne Frank house yeah but it's like in order to make it if you want something to happen you have to in a way make it happen but the world has gotten very introverted lately and it kind of saddens me a little bit
0: it does sadden me a bit as well and I think it's going to take a good long while until the world gets back to where it was prior, you know, in regards to at least travel. I'm not saying everything, it's probably going to be a bad thing if everything goes back to the way it was, but it's going to take a while until people are traveling again. So as you're kind of looking forward to that point, as you're kind of looking forward to getting out and seeing the world again and resuming your travel plans or, you know, making new travel plans, or adjusting to the way the new world's gonna be, you know. We're trying to give you points to think about and things to consider when you're out and about there. Finally.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, you can learn a lot from tra- fellow travelers. You can, you can even make a great new friend with fellow travelers. Even in your, even if you're in one of those tour groups. I have met a few friends in, in those tour groups and we did, you know, end up with quite a few good memories together. I even taught a few, you know, some photography tricks, some taught me some photography tricks and, you know, we even bashed the (laughs) tour guide behind her back once in a while.
0: I know for, Mm -hmm. go ahead.
1: Oh, no, I'm good.
0: I mean, I know for me, you know, one of the unexpected things that I did was when we got off the plane in Cuba uh, on our way in was we were waiting for the bus and we met a couple. of We met three individuals. Two of them were from B.C. and one of them is actually from my city in the West End. And the one who lives in the West End of my city has actually been over a few times for movie nights while we're waiting for our next adventure to begin. And we've started trying to develop a friendship that way. So even coming back, like you never know where people are going to be from. People are going to have cool stories. You're going to meet all sorts of interesting people. But not just that surprise. If you happen to make a friend, you know, develop that friendship. If you're both amicable to it listen to their stories because everybody's got different stories nobody no two people are going to have the same type of stories when it comes to travel and even if it's you know a light-hearted story even if it's one of those things that or even if it's one of those stories that makes you laugh just because of the absolute hilarity pay close attention to it because i think that even those types of stories have some really valuable lessons to teach
1: and in a way Uh even those like Even on the street, you do run into people that you can kind of converse with a little bit. Um, When I was in Amsterdam, I was trying to find ice cream. Duh. And there was a sign that was in Dutch, and at the time, I didn't know a lick of Dutch, which I will get to the language thing in a bit. And this gentleman was walking by as I'm pulling out Google Translate, trying to take a picture of this sign, and he uh, he asked something I forgot what it was I think it was can I help you with anything and I told him oh I can't read this sign I only speak English and he said oh I can speak a little bit of English I can help you translate and he translated the sign as because it had a hot summer and we're hitting winter we ran out of ice cream for the rest of the year sorry and even when I was at When I was exploring Amsterdam, I ran into quite a few people on the streets who we just conversed with. Sometimes it was a bit of a struggle without my knowledge of Dutch, but most of them did know English, which was not really surprising, but surprising in a sense.
0: So would you say the point that you're trying to illustrate then is that group travel isn't necessarily just about the people that you travel with, but about the people that you meet on the way and on the journey and the paths that you cross, even if it's just for like 30 seconds, those paths that you cross while you're there on that journey?
1: Yes, like that is the perfect way of putting it. I just didn't have the words for it and Gina just put it into perspective.
0: I have a talent for doing that most uh, sometimes Mm -hmm. apparently. I mean, there are times where words fail me, but every once in a while, I have my moments. Mm. Danny, would you like to add anything to that? Um,
2: I mean, I guess finding friends along the way will combat that loneliness. Yeah. I guess I never really thought of it, because, like, I mean... When it comes to strangers, I'm pretty shy until you get to know me. That's fair. And then I'm weird.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I know you didn't, I know when you and I first met, you didn't really say much to me until, you know, we not, we'd either hung out or, you know, been in the same kind of space for the first little, for the first few, uh, first few encounters. So
2: mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I'll be polite and I like, I will talk to people, but like, yeah, it takes me a little while to get comfortable with strangers.
1: Yeah. hmm yeah and another thing that Jesse also kind of had in his stories is while he was on the Camino de Santiago he was uh he had connections in the French group because he knew French and he also had connections in the Korean group because he knew a little bit of Korean and if you know multiple languages if you can take advantage of it because it does get you pretty far since i have actually bonded with people through my very very terrible knowledge of french
0: well not just that but you can also help in, when you speak multiple languages back just touching back on episode four and five language mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <coughs> Being able, uh, just to rehash a point that Shelby made, is that if you know multiple languages, if you know more than one language, you know two, you know three, you can bridge gaps for people. And I'm brought mostly to thinking of Shelby's time at uh, at the train kiosk in Japan, when she was trying to get through and take the train. And there was this guy who didn't know a lick of Japanese, the attendant didn't know a lick of English, she stepped in and translated for them. And she got that situation resolved. The attendant was grateful. The passenger, the to-be-passenger was grateful. You can bridge gaps. You can solve a lot of problems just by having that innate knowledge.
1: Oh, absolutely. Since I ran into that in South Africa, since the majority of my camp was French, and there was one American, and he was trying to explain to... Uh, one person what he did as a summer job and he knew that I spoke marginal French and I was walking by to get some some water and he's like, Hey, can you help me out here? Like, I don't know what the word for amusement park is and I know it's in terrible French, but I said, uh parc d'amusement which she which the French woman looked at me and was like, Ah, parc de traction And and he was able to bridge that gap, and I listened in, and all was fine.
0: Does that literally translate to attraction park in English?
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: Huh. Since
1: he wanted to to ask, like, what is an amusement park, because he worked as a photographer in an amusement park. Yeah. And thank God I didn't have to translate pretty la photo dans les enfants, because yeah. I'm pretty sure that was totally wrong. <laughs> But,
0: but uh, go ahead.
1: Yeah, but just even translating that one word would they were able to to communicate a lot better.
0: And there's also the thing where if you are tra- if you're in a place where people are speaking other languages, mm-hmm. and you make an attempt to to the best of your knowledge, use I guess the the language that is used wherever you are at that time to the best of your ability. Mm -hmm. Like if you try to use that language to the best of your ability, people will usually be a little more friendly because they see, again, it's like we've said, they see that you're trying, they're willing to step up. They're willing to help you probably just a little bit more. And they might be just a little more Mm -hmm. friendly because that you have, because you've earned that kind of, or at least that level of, a little bit more respect from them almost. And they'd be willing to step up and go to bat for you and be like, all right, well, you're trying, I'm willing to work with you. Here's what you're looking for.
1: Oh yeah. 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 And it was impressive when I was in South Africa, because once they realized that I knew a little bit of French, their demeanor warmed up to me almost right away. And, and, and as a kind of a not really a consequence, I don't know the term, but coincidentally Yeah, as a result, <laughs> oh my god, here's me using the most dreadful word. <laughs> they actually opened up to the American and the Gibraltar woman and suddenly they weren't just conversing amongst themselves, they were actually conversing throughout the whole group.
0: I wanna say The key thing about this is whether you're traveling solo or traveling in a group, get to know the travel community around you, you know, others that might not necessarily be in your group, but those that are on an adventure or, you know, those that your paths might only cross for a few seconds. Get to know them as much as you can. Utilize that. But at the same time, be a problem solver for people. Show that you are willing to help people And people are probably going to be a lot more receptive to you. Especially if you're traveling in a group that has to be stuck together for, say, a week or two. Uh You'll be the person Mm -hmm. that people come to to solve problems. And while it might get draining, you know, it'll make things a lot easier and a lot smoother. Things aren't necessarily easy when you're traveling. But the moment you turn into a problem solver instead of a problem creator, Mm -hmm. things are just going to... It's basically like putting a hot knife through butter it's just going to slice right through that tension and slice through those issues and it's gonna untie a lot of knots and cut a lot of red tape
2: um i do have i guess like a piece of advice from like what i learned from my group travel Mm -hmm. um don't say anything you wouldn't say to someone's face
0: Mm -hmm. yes
2: like traveling with a bunch of people can cause you stress and like you want to vent those things to other people because like for whatever reason um when I went on my trip there was people that were gossiping about people there were other people that were refusing to talk about other people and my my general rule of thumb was if I'm gonna say something about someone I'm gonna like it has to be something I'm willing to say to their face
0: yes I'm not Mm -hmm. upset
2: at this person because they did something and they wronged me and i want everyone to know as i'm upset at this person because i have like i'm introverted and i'm tired and i i don't like i I can't put out that energy anymore
0: yeah i think that ties into don't be a gossip don't spread rumors don't it it ties right into that don't be a problem maker be a problem solver
1: Uh, i guess finding the motivation if your solo traveling versus group traveling.
0: Okay. So Motivation
2: for what?
1: Like, to do things. I kind of find when I'm... When I'm on my own, I get less motivation to actually do things. Like, part of me, you know, wanted to just laze at the hostel for a day, which isn't that bad, but when you're only there for, like, a couple of days or for in my case a week time is kind of money yeah. and it's hard to find that motivation sometimes to just go out and check out the sites
0: not just that you also have to be aware that you know you're going to a new place you've mm-hmm. probably got all of these things that you want to do and that you want to see be reasonable you're probably not going to be able to see everything that you want to do uh, that'll leave more for you to do when you come back Next time, mm-hmm. but be reasonable. Uh-huh. Take into account, you know, your travel time. Uh, we, again, things that we've said time and time again. Take into account your travel time. Plan out your trip and understand that you probably will not get to do everything. You cannot mm-hmm. possibly do everything because there is not enough time. Even people who live in that area literally have not done everything because you cannot do everything given a standard human lifespan. hmm mm-hmm. There's always something to do.
1: Oh, yeah, there always is. And I guess another thing is, for me, I've traveled both extremes. I've traveled with a bus tour. I've traveled on my own. With the bus tour, it's always go, 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 go. It's so exhausting. And it's one of those try to find that balance so that you're not burning yourself out and eventually hating a destination like i started to dislike japan because that whole tour was come on all right on the bus 20 minutes all right on the bus all right next site 20 minutes all right three hours on a bus all right we're here for 10 minutes all right back on the bus oh my gosh i bloody hated that yep and it it seriously almost made me hate japan but it was enough to make me want to come back and do it on my own without that pesky woman going all right you only get 10 minutes
0: i know for i know things were a little bit different for me cuz i actually took the uh, the shinkansen and uh, when i go someplace new i have i have apparently developed this habit of when i go someplace new i have apparently developed this habit of splurging on, at least on on one thing for myself that i kind of really want to do and for me it was the, Shink- the shinkansen green car so we're talking first class uh, so, I'm speeding down the railways in Japan at 300 kilometers an hour in a first-class cabin. Hmm. So, anything else we want to touch on?
1: No, yeah, I think we're pretty good at uh, finding the right people to travel with. Um, yeah, I think we already touched on that. I traveled mostly with my parents, and in a way, age and mobility does kind of have a little bit of a little bit of a factor. Um, I don't want to be ageist, I don't want to be ableist, but a main thing that I don't like traveling with my parents about is the fact that they are they're very they're elderly. Mm-hmm. There's no denying that, and as mm-hmm. such, we're not able to do many of the active things that I want to do. Like, there is no hiking all day. There is no climbing a mountain all day. Yeah. And it's something Uh to take in consideration. Don't blame those people for not being able to stay caught up with you. But in a way, and take some time away from those people, especially if you really want to do something, and just... You know, give each other freedom. You don't have to be latched onto these people 24-7. That's only going to cause you guys to want to kill each other.
0: Yeah. Uh Uh If you're traveling with a group, I think, don't be afraid to go off on your own and do a bit of solo traveling, whether that's for an hour, whether that's for a couple of days, and then meet up with your group later. Because I know for me, that'll probably save, something like that'll probably save my sanity a bit more.
1: And it will probably save your friendship. Mm
2: -hmm. That's what I had to do when I was in Rome because, so we, I mean, because it was a school trip, we, Mm. from Monday to Saturday, we had classes. So we had to, like, do our trip. And then on the Sunday, we could do whatever we want.
0: Yeah.
2: Usually on Sundays, I went off into the city by myself.
0: Yep. Mm Mm-hmm do what you can if you're traveling with a group and you don't you don't work well with groups you know do what you can to preserve your own sanity i guess and do whatever it takes to preserve your own sanity and then come back to the group and continue on Mm -hmm. so
1: yeah that's what i've had to do many times and there have been numerous times where my mother has covered for me ditching the group because she knew i was at that point where I was probably gonna totally humiliate her and she's the woman who's concerned about her image and that benefited me a lot
0: yep well uh anything else you guys want to just kind of touch on
1: yeah I think
2: I'm good yeah I think I'm good
0: cool so I want to just take a moment to touch on the topic of our next episode and we actually already have this recorded they were one of the first guests, the first two guests that we actually recorded for this podcast, and they have been ever so patient with us for getting this episode out released. We were trying to find a place to put it in, and then basically life got in the way, and then we got back to trying to find a place to put it in, and we figured that this would be a good place to tie it in traveling in a group. We're going to be talking relationships and immigration for our next episode at least for the Mm -hmm. interview portion. And then we're going to be doing our relationships and immigration discussion. And Carol, I believe those were your guests. So why don't you just touch base and give us a bit of a, a bit of a lowdown about our guests for next episode.
1: All right. So Amy is uh, one part of the couple that we're going to be discussing with. Okay. That you guys are going to be hearing from next week. Um, So she met, yeah two weeks, yeah so she met Tom a couple of years ago to about three years ago. Time flies, so I've already lost track of time, and they fell in love they they did a lot of their communication over li- over online, okay, they did a lot of their communication online and eventually they decided to have this relationship become more serious eventually they got married and Tom immigrated to Canada from the UK and the next episode we will be talking about the relationship how they what really worked for them how they overcame the difficulties of doing a long distance relationships and the process of immigration Th- things have changed a lot since we recorded this episode. We will be updating uh, people with what's going on with the tidbit at the end.
0: Why don't we leave that actually for our discussion portion? We record that yeah, episode exactly. with the understanding that it was ages ago that we recorded it, and then do mm-hmm. the update portion during the discussion, uh, the discussion mm-hmm. part of that topic.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Sure. For sure. So...
0: Mm-hmm. Right. well with that in mind um and next uh next episode we'll be talking well, i guess with amy and tom at least we'll be talking for you guys to hear it with amy and tom whereas we've already talked to them Time, mm-hmm. linear time's a weird thing we'll be talking with amy and tom next episode but <laughs> i guess at this point all that remains to do is wrap up the recording so for the breadcrumb trails podcast i'm gina i'm carol And I'm Danny. And we'll see you guys on the trails of life.